Yeah. Is it working? Hello. Hi, hi, yep. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to What Do We Know? You are joined by Manny today. And as always, I have my two co-hosts I always like to introduce at the beginning of the episode. So, Rooch. Hi, guys. And Sundas. Hi, everyone. That was a dig at me <laughs> if, if you didn't pick up what Manny was trying to say. Yes, by the way, I never glad forget you got to it, introduce girl. you guys. You guys are just really impatient and you don't allow me to do my introduction because you're sitting there thinking, we haven't said hello yet. We haven't, we haven't said hello. Honestly. Actually, the truth I'd like is, to introduce you did you guys forget away. once. Yeah, exactly. This is based on experience that we had with you, which you forgot <laughs> about trauma, us. Guys. It's like forgetting to pick up your children from nursery and then them never letting it go and always being in fear. That's what it feels like to do this podcast with you too yeah i mean that's a big trauma honestly i wouldn't compare it that yeah, bad, that was pretty extreme pretty you know, i think i might be talking about my own childhood there but i forgive you parents <laughs> but yeah thanks for joining us guys i have been thinking about this episode for a very long time i guess it goes back in 2020 when this whole issue was much more heightened i guess you could say because of events that occurred but essentially what I wanted to speak about with the girls today was about different types of racism that we see in the world today and especially those that are often undercover or overlooked and are kind of in the background. They might not be specifically calling people racist names or doing things directly towards different people but actually there is racism in our everyday language, in the way we work in society. So it's quite interesting. And I guess the reason why I wanted to speak about it on the on the podcast was because mainly this kind of came up last year, um, especially around the time of George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery. And there were so many people, I mean, even before them. But throughout that time specifically, there was a lot of... Ca- um, protests I was about to say campaigns but a lot of protests in the world where people were really kind of fighting for the rights of black people in today's world where you expect things to be better than they've than they've ever been there are still things like this happening and that is scary and it's alarming and and the least that we can do is raise awareness of that and I feel like that was George Floyd's death was definitely putting light to the issue around black lives but I guess Throughout this time as well, there was also a conversation around racism around the world. So specifically racism in the US versus racism in the UK. The general conversation around this was that racism in the US is much more open and direct and people are openly racist. Whereas in the UK, there is still racism, but it's more undercover. People brush it under the carpet and then it's just a part of our society. It's the way we work. It's in our subconscious. And I found that whole conversation really interesting because it got me thinking. It reminded me of a time when Stormzy was having an interview with a news reporter. I'm not exactly sure when this was. I think it was before this time. It was at the end of 2019. And essentially, Stormzy said that the UK is definitely racist. And the British media pretty much spun his entire words as if he said that 100% of the UK is racist. But what he actually said is that the UK is 100% racist. And although those two statements are very similar, they mean completely different things. One is saying that every single person in the UK is racist and the other one is saying is that there is racism in the UK. 
it didn't come across well, especially to, especially in our media, I guess we can say. And mm. the British media is probably not one of the best or the most unbiased narratives in the world. But what made me interested about that is after like learning about not just learning us I guess listening to people's perspectives about this underlying racism that we have in the UK it really made me think and I really wanted to have an episode on this so I started doing some research and I started to kind of think about well what does this look like and I found or came across a specific article but a bunch of different things and essentially there's two main types of racism that we see in the world today right there is overt racism which is more direct it's opened it's hate crimes it's violence it's racial slurs it's public harassment it's things that are very openly identified as racist behavior but then on the other hand there is something called covert racism and this is often something that is socially acceptable but still in the background very much still racist And I started to look into these two different types of things. And obviously, or maybe not obviously, but most of the time, I think we can generally understand what is overt racism because it's very much in your face. You can't really ignore it. It's things that maybe we've all experienced in our lives. But covert racism were things that I felt like were identified as things in our society, but never really as racism. It was things that weren't great and they weren't things that I would do. But when they happened you can recognize them as something, as an incident, but you just didn't see it as racism. And that's how I kind of came across these things. And when I was reading about them, I just thought to myself, I wouldn't identify some of these things as racism, but I understand that they can be based on underlying racism. I found this specific article that kind of went through different types of overt racism versus covert racism. And I wanted to go through this with the girls today, just to understand how we feel about them, It was just interesting because I don't think we call out covert racism, but we do for overt racism. So, yeah, I will definitely link this article in the show show notes, not show notes. (laughs) Um, That's what they say in Turkish, but I will link it in our in the post on our Instagram. I'll put it in our description for this episode. But ultimately, you can kind of go along this episode with this article in mind because it will structure the way we're having this conversation today so i wanted to start off with quickly going over i spoke about what overt racism was but these are things that are generally socially unacceptable so we've seen hate crimes lynching this anti-immigrant violence there is brown face black face painting swastikas there's burning crosses racial slurs the ku klux Klan. all of these things and people are seen as racist there's no way that you can see these things and not see racism in them right they're all hate crimes they're all things done in spite and they're all socially unacceptable but what the conversation of today's topic will be is around the covert racism and this is traditionally things that are underneath the iceberg i guess in the form of an analogy when you think about an iceberg everything on top of an iceberg is exposed but there is so much underneath the seawater the sea level that is still a part of the iceberg and that is what we're going to unpack in today's episode for covert racism since kind of you know you started off with kind of bringing to attention Stormzy's interview and actually after that a lot of things developed a lot of you know people came out to speak about you know what what Stormzy was trying to say and really backing up the fact that Britain was avoiding 
the actual statistics and the evidence and just acting on emotion and actually just recently I don't know too much about it because I haven't had the chance to read into it but obviously we would have seen over Twitter over the, over the news that the new kind of controversy around the race report so I think there was like a commission on the race and ethnic uh, disparities kind of report which um, bluntly and uh, essentially just said that uh, Britain categorically is not doesn't have any structural or institutional racism and everyone was just like sorry are we are we just are we going to keep just pushing this narrative to the to the kind of um to the margin because you know we don't want to address the issues um and it's really interesting because the person that was um leading it has resigned and Boris Johnson is slowly like backing away saying he's not involved but actually the report was always it had his input it would have you know had communications would have obviously gone to him because you know he is the prime minister and he will have like visibility of this so um, I don't know too much about this but I feel like it's another thing that underpins today's conversation as well which is still ongoing it's not even though the Black Lives Matter movement was so huge and will probably it existed way before 2020 but people will majority mm -hmm. of people will always remember mm -hmm. it for 2020 actually the conversation after that mm -hmm. is a continuous conversation around what it means what it means in the state that you live in and etc so it's just so interesting yeah. that that report's come out and it's just failed to do what the report was supposed to do but again this is why there is so much backlash there that, that is why people are continuously trying to fight with this because it's just kind of they can't let it go they can't let it go under the rug because it's something that is just not being addressed in the right way or it's always just being I, I feel like with Britain they're afraid of being called a racist and so rather than addressing it they want to balance the argument to say well look these are the things that make us not racist compared to the US or compared to another country and and that's not the point of these conversations it's not about yeah. comparing it's about addressing the issues yeah. as and where they are within our society I think that's what what anyone with these kind of conversations really struggles with I think you're right in saying everybody always gets in the defense yeah. mode as if oh no we're not like this but it's mm. not about saying that it's about addressing the problem and you can't address a problem if you don't acknowledge Absolutely. it it's, it's, it's kind just, of the the response to black lives matter was all lives matter but you know then we had to kind of spell it out as though you know um what we're trying to say is that black lives matter and but that doesn't mean that all lives don't matter it just means that at this mm. at this moment we need to address that uh, black lives are being um you know there's a lot of violence against black people there's a lot of um incarceration of black people there's a lot of um, unjust things happening to black people that's all we're trying to make awareness of and I guess that's that's exactly what you said exactly. Mami. it's just it's emotionally responding or getting really defensive without and it goes back to that basic thing of not listening but reacting or just waiting to say something um, and I think that's a huge that's actually a huge problem that I think that British people have if I may yeah. be a Stormzy on my own podcast today <laughs> <laughs> but you know what as a British person like this is my home as well like I want it to be a better place I want us to progress as a society so I'm not saying this to attack the country this is my country too I want it to be yeah. a better country that is what annoys me though I feel like the only way we can get better is to address these problems yeah I'm glad you brought up All Lives Matter because that is one of the topics underneath covert racism and I guess the key thing to note here is that the current movement asserts that black lives should matter as much as white lives. And actually, at the moment, they just don't. In society today, they 
are not given the respect that white people are just given by default and that is the standard that we don't want that's why all lives matter refutes this argument because you're trying to draw attention to everyone but some people are seen as unequal in the society so that's not okay and that's the whole premise right if people see all lives matter or black lives matter and get, take a different angle then you're either ignorant you haven't learned about this enough or you're just getting defensive i don't actually understand what other thing could come from that conversation mm. so i guess building on this covert racism is also something called white silence so traditionally people or white people feel that because racial issues are not concerning them that they don't have the right to speak out or they don't have the expertise to speak out about racial injustice for example, people are being attacking someone in public or saying something, racial slurs at them. I've seen lots of videos, I guess, circle around social media about people on trains and public transport where they've been really badly spoken to. And there is most of the time this one or two people that stick up for that person. Mm. And that is what it's all about. It's about making sure that people don't feel alone, you know, like... In that situation, you have the authority because people will look at the color of your skin. They'll look at where you're from. They will think that this person is agreeing with this person. And maybe there's something backwards in the way that I'm thinking. I'm not trying to defend those people that have these rape, hate crimes or say these bad things. But I guess the key thing is, is that how can we change it? How can we make it a cause for good? And if you yeah. don't speak out, then it's just everybody in that room. You're also agreeing with that person because it's you're, like you're complacent in it yeah complacent is the word exactly but like it's a very like tough thing to first of all address and witness or think about or talk about and I think like going back to the whole thing of you know what Stormzy said the whole discussion that was happening in the media and on social platforms and everything I think it was just not just British people but I think people are just scared of being called racist so they feel like they're instant kind of they instantly just want to defend the fact that oh no 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 but we're not we're not racist we're not racist they're just so like terrified or scared of someone labeling them as racist whereas yeah. you're not actually you're taking away from the fact that that's not what the point was about the point was mm -hmm. that racism exists you can't just by you saying no no, no but i'm not racist doesn't mean that racism is gone that's yeah. what people need to realize and um you know i think Obviously, for people of colour, for people of certain backgrounds, so people who are not the typical white British people, you know, racism is, I think, more prevalent. There are probably more experiences of it in, in, in those kind of people's lives. With Black Lives Matter, with so many different movements and so many different things happening around the world against loads of different races and things, there are obviously certain races who do have it harder than others and it's hard and it's crazy and seeing it in the world that we live in it's not something we can ignore when it's mm -hmm. everywhere like it's not just that oh someone said something to someone and it hurt their feelings no it's literally people are dying people are literally exactly. their lives are being turned upside down because of it so it's not like a small thing um and i think manny sorry before i went into my little rant here <laughs> You asked, like, you know, have we ever experienced... My experience was a bit weird. I think, luckily, I'd say, alhamdulillah, that I haven't actually, you know, seen it or experienced it to a bad scale ever. I think sometimes there has been underlying racism in conversations or maybe when I was in school or maybe around certain people and I realised it afterwards and I was like, hang on, that person was probably a bit racist when they said a certain thing or made a certain assumption. 
But um, one experience that I do remember, which was, it was a bit of a shock, actually, because I didn't actually realise that they'd said it to me and my friend. But um, it was at the time when I was at university and we were at Baker Street Underground Station. If you know that station in um, London, we were actually, so just outside Madame Two Swords was where our campus was. So we're walking into the station. and That's obviously like the top floor bit, but you have to go down the escalators to get to the underground bit. So the first set of escalators that we were going down, which either takes you to where the Met line is or where the underground is, um, we were going down and it was like, you know, literally quite a group of friends of us who had been like in the library and at uni. And uh, two of us amongst this group obviously wore a headscarf and were Asian. And uh, we're going down the escalators and this this man literally just shouted um, something about raghead and go back to your country. He was just he was just shouting like obscenities and it took me a second to register that he was saying it to me obviously when you're on the underground you get the train you hear and see a lot of stupid weird things and I just always ignore it and then my friend turned around she was she was in front of me on the escalator and she was like and we just looked at each other and I was like was he saying that to us and then then one of our other friends you know she also got quite not heated but she got very annoyed and she was like what the hell like how how dare that man say that so we got to the bottom of the escalators and we kind of just stopped because I was a bit shocked I was like oh, what like ha- that was such a like strange encounter because I thought that man is a stranger he doesn't know anything and he's just shouted something really horrible at us just because of what we look like right you know we kind of just stood to the side and my friends were like you know <laughs> some of the others wanted to go after him and I was like what are you gonna do going after him <laughs> by the time you get to the top of the escalators this man's gonna be gone and there's no point it wasn't you know confrontational it wasn't anything dangerous it wasn't anything like that it was just ignorance but um I think obviously it's not like a very extreme example but the reason why I'm sharing it is because something actually something really nice happened afterwards as well so when we were standing near one of the pillars because I usually had to go up the stairs and my friends went down to the underground um this man who'd obviously been further up the escalator so he was just a normal white British man um he'd obviously witnessed it and he came over to us and he was like by the way I'm so sorry that you had to experience that we're not all like that and he was like I hope you're okay Bless and you. the fact that he came over and I was just like no like, I'll, like I'm, we're completely fine like thank you so much and he was like you know hope you have a lovely day and you know I hope that doesn't ruin your day and he was just so like it was such a kind gesture to like, actually come over and yeah that was really nice so I just thought for every kind of misinformed stupid person there is always someone else who yeah is nice and not racist but that's my experience that was a nice story. I've never heard it before. Yeah. Haven't you? Well, I mean, sorry, it's got a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't yeah. a nice story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you yeah. told it really well. Like I said, luckily, I've never experienced it on the scale of something horrible, but there are things I've heard and seen. And I just think for us living in Britain, in England, there's a lot of videos that I've seen on the train of people like just going off and going mad and going like to strangers. And I always used to think when I saw stuff like that or heard about stuff, I used to think like, what if I was ever in that situation... That's just horrible. Even Not even as someone who was on the receiving end of it, but if I witnessed it. I completely get the point where it, you might not be hurt in that situation, like physically, or it's just the shock. It does shake you. Sometimes it comes from, oh, you know, should I do something? Do I need to go and tell someone? But most of the time it just comes from just, just that shock that you were going going about your normal day and just someone you know really came out of their way to just be 
horrible to you. I think that shock is mm. something that we underestimate how much it shapes us kind of going forward, even if it was like a small experience, like it does shape the way we carry ourselves after that and how we start kind of becoming a bit more self-aware when we're just kind of going through the same route back and forward from work. We will always remember that moment. I don't know if that was mm. a similar experience for you. There's this one racist event that I witnessed happen that's always stuck by me because actually um, it was between an Asian guy being a victim to racism from an Eastern European woman. It was about 5am and I was taking a train to, where was I heading? It'd probably be Birmingham for work. Okay, 5am, I don't know why, but obviously there was an early start that day. And there was this train was just, it kind of had a, a few stops um, through Milton Keynes and, and Berkhamsted, etc. And a, a, an Asian guy got onto the train and um, he was on the phone, but he was talking very quietly. I don't know who he was talking to, but he wasn't doing anything malicious or anything like, you know, what he was talking about was harmful. But he was just talking on a very low voice where he was just wrapping up a conversation. He was almost whispering into his headset. Mm. I didn't realize this, but this woman looked really grumpy. But because it was 5 a.m., I overlooked it because I was just like, yeah, I'm grumpy too, 5 a.m. on a flipping train. And um, he's wrapping up his conversation and she just starts yelling at him like, oh, shut up. I'm like, can you not see I'm sleeping? And, and he, he actually apologized. He was just like, I'm sorry, I'm just wrapping this up. And, and she just wouldn't take any of it. And she just went on on a huge ra like racist rant. Like, you know, people like you make me like she was effing the N word. The What? The he wasn't even black and she just kind of chose to use that word against him um she she even called him a the p word and i don't even know why i'm calling him the like the p word feels a bit more in my right to say it but anyway like she was just throwing a whole load of racial abuse at him he just stayed really calm and it just took a really dark turn and we had other kind of passengers i remember these two other white men that were sitting there and they got out of their seat because they were just kind of ready to kind of jump in if it got physical because the woman literally looked like she was going to hit the man. But the guy just st stayed really calm. What? And she just kind of left the carriage. And it was really weird because the journey to Birmingham was a very long one, even though it was a fast train. And as the train got busier at the next stop, something happened where we had to get off this train and, you know, there was lots of problems on the... Um, on the track so we had to change trains and this woman was walking past again she looked a bit better she looked a bit sober if i be honest with you she just looked like she just woken up but she just started on the guy again so just walking past like she was just like you know you're a piece of shit you're this you're that and so obviously everybody that was around what? us were new to this this uh altercation between these two because i'd been on that train from 5 a.m when i witnessed it happen and you know what i'll be honest with you i was too scared to say anything because in that situation i was just like i don't even know how to help the guy but the guy was really calm because at the end of the day he kind of he had his arms up in defense when she kept she got a bit too close he was just like look i'm i'm not gonna hurt you but i will push you away if you kind of come anywhere near me and he was just like look you just need to calm down i don't know what your problem is but you just need to calm down because he wasn't actually doing anything wrong and <laughs> and then you know those two guys that got up so this is back when it was just me the two guys that stood up waiting to just make sure that this doesn't get into a physical fight um one of them <laughs> 
I don't know why I'm laughing. It's because I felt like those two men wanted to do more than just stand up, but they didn't know what to say <laughs> because it was just kind of one of those things. Uh, I think they witnessed it um, and to them, they knew that the guy was... He was doing the best he could in that situation and they were there if, if he needed witnesses. But they also knew knew that they couldn't physically touch the woman because they, they you know, they didn't want to get themselves into trouble. And <laughs> like quite a few times that white man just, just turned around and he just went, oi, oi. And it was doing absolutely nothing to dissolve the situation. But <laughs> I guess what that woman she just went on the most vile rant ever. But mm. it, I think in the beginning, that guy kind of looked around to see if anyone was going to help him. And then I think he just kind of sat there and thought, look, I'm not, there's not much I can do. But as long as she doesn't physically hit me, like I will just kind of stay as calm as I can. And hopefully she'll move away from me. But I think as the day went on and it was still like 6 a.m. And, you know, it was no longer dark when you looked outside the train window like, and the train was busier and he went through the second round of abuse. I think he felt a bit calmer because he had more people around him. But I think he was genuinely mm. scared the first time around because it just took him off guard. Like for me, I was just like he was generally wrapping up that conversation and she was just rearing for a fight. I think that there was a lot of deep rooted hate. You could see it from what she was saying and everything that was coming out of her mouth. And in a way, I don't want to repeat it, but I'll never forget that incident and I you know what it really shook me and I was just a witness I was so puzzled that day because you know when you think back and you're like what could I have done and you're like well there's no point thinking about it now but I just I felt like I carried a burden that day because it like really broke my heart to mm. witness like a fellow brown brother have to deal with that but um equally mm. I didn't really do much and maybe he could have reported it maybe he could have done so much but we just we just let it go and I don't know if it was because it was a woman like there's just so many things you know when you think about these things later you think yeah. oh, you know technically she just yeah. looked like any white passing woman and um, maybe those two white men you know when sometimes you can really tell kind of what your type of people are maybe in their head they were just like she's being really vile but she wouldn't dare physically like hit him but like it was just yeah there's just so many things about how we witness racism from a different perspective and I was just, yeah. when I tell you I was just frozen, like I could not like think past, I couldn't, I don't even think I had my phone in my hand. I think I remember putting my phone away cause I was ready to jump off the train. I was so terrified. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. That woman was, she wasn't like slim or anything. She was quite a hefty woman. And she was so, you know, one of those people that get really into your face. Like I knew that I, I didn't have that energy 5 a.m. in the morning just to even like move away from this situation, let alone like fight back. It was it was a really horrible incident that I witnessed and I, I think I sometimes still feel bad about not saying anything because I say so much after the event. You know what kind of struck me from both of your points was the shock yeah. and Ruj, you said yours was more minor but I genuinely think that it doesn't matter how small you think it may be, even a single word, it just freezes you. It's like yeah when you when someone first says that to you it really does freeze you it shocks you like it i don't know why i like didn't it, even it, register it for like i didn't i feel like i was shocked because i didn't realize i thought what like it took me a second to even register that someone had said that yeah. to me yeah people have said things to me when i was in my car i think once like i was not driving wrong like genuinely guys i was driving right and i was at a crossroad i let him go did i let him go i can't remember it was my way to go i was my way to go so i went past and he actively like made the choice to roll down his window to say something and i thought he was gonna i was smiling i thought <laughs> he was the gonna best say something nice <laughs> I swear to 
god i was like so happy because i didn't know what he was about to say and he said raghead to me and i was like i guess me for the next five minutes i was driving off but i was yeah, like what yeah, just like, happened in that moment it just really it is so shocking like feeling. i know i'm laughing now but in that moment yeah it is a horrible feeling and yeah. it goes right inside you and you're just like you're it's like so your heart sinks and you're like yeah what? your heart sinks it is so weird that moment in time and i'm just like and it's happened to me quite a few times but i can't say anything and in that moment behind the scenes i would have felt like oh my god like you're right in this you have all of this analysis after the event and you're like why didn't i yeah. say x y and z this <laughs> is my country too la, 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 la. like all of these say back to yeah them. but i think in the moment yeah, that shock is. does freeze you and you think it, in the moment it is so shocking it is like you've taken the voice out of my like i just you don't expect it it's so it's so difficult and you will critically analyze it all day long after the event you'll say everything you want to say in your head but you didn't say it in that moment and it's just so difficult it's, it's just so shocking kind of i can't going back it. to my story and the incident that i witnessed you know sadly like i think i just started to kind of justify my situation so later on i was just like maybe i could have just said to him like if he's going to report her or he wants um, you know TFL to look on cameras about what happened I can actually stand in as a witness and then I was like googling like what like if you come across like a racial um, kind of violence on a train and um, like how do you report it what can be done and you know kind of reading people's like Q answers or Yahoo answers saying like oh nothing gets done you know you report it as an incident it just becomes a number within the database blah blah and like you just start having these thoughts afterwards and then really like makes you think like am I really prepared to kind of defend my myself in that moment because how would I have felt if no one stood up for me because I know that that guy his first reaction was just looking at who's around to witness this because he knew that this woman is getting a bit too like she's really pushing the boundaries and she's even coming into his personal space and I don't know if she was on a mix of drugs and alcohol on that five o'clock in the morning on a Monday she looked like she was out of it and it's just hard to tell like you just yeah no I just I I can't believe the way I kind of packed my phone away and ready to kind of, I don't know where I was going. The train was moving. So I don't know where I was planning to move, but like my reaction wasn't to record or help. My reaction was just like, keep myself safe. I have yeah. to be honest, like it, I wish I didn't feel like that. And I wish I kind of, you know, defend I think in some ways having those two other men, even though they didn't know what to do and they were just kind of like, shouting a few words just to see if they could like you know make the situation calmer and then they realized that we're not helping either I think that gave me a bit of like reassurance that I'm just not here alone with this this encounter yeah it's crazy yeah and I think you're right like in hindsight yeah it might be recorded as another incident in the book somewhere but you'll never be able to see that person again you'll probably never get their details or anything nothing yeah. will happen to them so it becomes difficult but I think the biggest thing or the reason why I think white silence is such a big thing here is because legally nothing will happen to them but their mind may change if somebody speaks up against them so like if it's me or you they might not care as much but if it's a white person that speaks up they might remember that incident they might have a change of heart like you have to believe that people can change you mm -hmm. have to believe that the person they are today and the person they're going to be tomorrow can be two different people everything affects you and the reason why calling things out is important is because that person will continue to be that person they're not going to change that's also another thing like it's not our responsibility to change people but if we want to see change these little quote-unquote little incidents they do affect us like it goes deep of course yeah